Imagine if Leonardo da Vinci had denied his interests and hadn't followed all of them and hadn't pursued all the things that got him curious and interested. Where would we be? What would the world be like without the true, real Leonardo da Vinci? Well, welcome back, everyone, to the With Joe Eby podcast. Another day, another episode with me, Joe Eby. And we're going to be talking about why you shouldn't deny your interests either. Because maybe you're on a journey that could lead you to be a modern da Vinci. Or maybe not. Maybe you're not. But it's worth exploring. So da Vinci is probably the best and most famous example of what's called a Renaissance man or a Renaissance person, which is someone who is very multifaceted. Uh, the, the word polymath, someone who's talented and knowledgeable or adept across many areas uh, that seems Im- and seemingly impossible. I mean, he was obviously a famous painter, but he was also an inventor. He had lots of sophisticated knowledge, knowledge about anatomy. Uh, the guy was all over it, and he was part of a generation or a whole movement in the Renaissance of people just like him. And then we've got, we went away and we became more siloed in our disciplines and you know, that's when we went down the path of everyone's kind of becomes part of one profession. They do one thing with their lives, et cetera, et cetera. For some people, that is still the case. It's not that everyone is necessarily a polymath, but I think most people have more than one interest. So it's very vital that we don't deny our interests. Now, this obviously builds, obviously each podcast episode kind of builds on what what has come before. That's why I always recommend you consume them in order. Uh, before we're talking about last episode, the importance of being an amateur and how you can be an amateur at basically everything at once. You kind of have every skill there is to have in the world, but you just had a different level of it to everyone else. You might be an amateur at most of them. It's kind of fun. It's kind of liberating. So what would stop you being an amateur or not having an interest? But we've talked about, so episode 48 is about interest mapping. Okay, which is that process of kind of discovering or revealing or even creating the things you're interested in because they're, re- they're, they're, they're investments in a way that you can kind of part, that give you an avenue to go down in life. Whenever one gets blocked off, you've kind of got something else to pursue, to stimulate your mind, to diversify where you invest that idea you have of yourself, that identity you have of yourself. So if something suffers and you get a setback, there's always another dimension to you to go and you're this whole ecosystem, okay? It's not that if you were uh, a builder and all the builders were put out of work that you'd had no, you'd have nowhere to go. The person who is thoroughly interest mapped and has a wealth of interests, you know, one avenue shuts, our building's not, not open for now or COVID's shut this down. I'm going to go do, th- do this instead. I've always wanted to fill the blank, learn piano, speak French. Um, try a different industry, try a different job, study law, okay? And there's no real limit. So that's what we talked about. And so we can all reveal many more interests and these kind of interests evolve and change over time. And so the key is not to deny them. Not all our interests will be created equal. So again, da Vinci is most known as a painter, But all these other things kind of came to light, especially after, I believe, they kind of discovered his journal and that unlocked everything. 
So the most important interests you have, in theory, should command a lot of your time, effort, and attention, ideally. So another great example of someone who clearly hasn't denied their interests uh, is, is Tim Ferriss. Right? And his book, 4-Hour Workweek, was definitely a big door opener for me. Uh, but if you look at Ferris, he's someone, you know, he's won dance competitions. He's into health and nutrition. He wrote The 4-Hour Body. He's into life hacking. He's a podcaster. He's a blogger. He's an author. He's an angel investor. He's been vagabonding and traveling all over the world and has mastered outsourcing and business systems. And there are all these elements. He's ultimately the ultimate life and learning hacker. He has the ability to learn things quite quickly. And so these examples in our culture, some many centuries ago, like Da Vinci, which shows how if they can do it back then, we certainly have more tools to explore more now rather than less centuries ago. Uh, But then we also have modern examples. We have plenty of them. And it just shows how there are many different ways of building one's life and negotiating one's life and no one right way. I remember even when I was starting in business, I was looking for, you know, how does everyone run a business? What's the, and I've, I've found that there were differences and subtle differences. Eventually you observe enough examples to know that, oh, everyone is a little bit different. Some people are kind of the same. Some people are really, really different. For example, four hour work week is not how most people run a business. Though it gives you permission to live and create your own set up your own spread so there's plenty of opportunity to kind of canvas them in our time there's an amazing ted talk on multi-potentialites which is uh, basically the same thing as as a polymath in my opinion or a renaissance person is the person who's not meant to do one thing and i don't think of it as some people are polymath polymaths and multi-potentialites and some people are just meant to do one thing i don't think of it as a a scale like that especially in the blog on being a renaissance person that i wrote i thought of it as much more of a scale uh you know it's not like being asian or non-asian it's it's that everyone has a little bit of asian in them perhaps and you do those uh ancestry and uh you know gen um racial makeup kind of tests whatever they're called and you know you've got a splatter of african in you and a splatter of asian in you and okay so and it's this weird mix and it's kind of like we're all kind of like that we all have this different mishmash no one's kind of exactly the same it's this scale and how do you figure out who you are are you a multi-potentialite who's always been told they have to do and pick one thing or are you this multifaceted person and the map to, to that is your interests. And that's why I kind of thought it was worth revisiting today. And obviously episode again 48 and the blog on interest mapping where we talked about that more. Don't deny your interests. It's just kind of an easy roadmap. I mean, always follow them. And ideally your biggest, most exciting interests are the ones you spend the most time on. So that's that's this perspective. There was a, from our book that we've been working on for Do Hat Labs, uh, which, you know, the eight co-authors and Josh, Josh Hodge, my good friend, uh, wrote something which really resonated with me in his chapter about observing his uh, father and brother when he was looking 
looking up to them and but also trying to map his journey after school and who he was going to be in the world. And he observed how they worked hard at something that was maybe more about, I guess, providing and, and paving, paving way rather than things that were deep interests or made them fully come alive. He, he creaked open, open the door to what I think is a huge idea about culture, which again I hinted at in the last episode, which is that we observe the people around us, we look at what most people are doing, and we assume that that code of behavior is how we must act, not how we can or should act, but often it feels like how we must act. So if you imagine that you're in an environment where you're looking around and you know what people are deeply interested in around you, you know that your friends are more into sport or music or some other hobby than they are into what they do for work, it forms this narrative that, oh, everyone does something they don't like for work. You're not meant to enjoy work. You're meant to have the thing you love as something you don't do. Your dream sits there in the background. Your interests remain out of work life. And I've, in the same way, I've been sitting at round tables where everyone's complaining about their work and someone will pop up and say, yeah, well, no one enjoys their job. That's the point. And you kind of, you feel guilty. You, you know, don't want to jump up and say, well, I do. I mean, I don't always. I definitely haven't in the past. Right now, it's probably as good a time as any for me in terms of work enjoyment. But that's often the dominant culture. And again, you can come back to that dynamic I think my friend Josh pointed at, which is we look around, we assume that's the reality. It doesn't give us permission to think, doesn't give us permission to think that we can reach and have more and a better, what we'll call in the coming episodes, bucket of life. So the question to reflect on today is, who are you surrounded by? What sort of people are your friends and family? Okay, what are they interested in? Is it clear to you? What makes them come alive? And how do they spend most of their time? And how does, what's the gap between how they spend most of their time and what you think really makes them come alive, what they're capable of and deeply interested in and stimulated by? And understand what the general culture is around you. Now understand that it's impossible for that culture not to be pushing you in one certain direction. Thirdly, realize that that direction may not be the best thing for you. So if you're going to go with it, allow it to take you, but be conscious about it. And if you know where you're going and you know it's not for you and you don't want to be exactly like those, those examples around you, you'll need to resist that part of your culture and hook onto something else. And that's where obviously we're working on f from our end and do have labs, certain, certain opportunities and things that can help, help, uh, help introduce you to different people who subscribe to a different culture. But it's important to find ways to connect and build relationships with those people. But first and foremost, where you have most control over is your ability to connect and map out your interests. This has been the With Joe Eby podcast. Uh, just remember, obviously, that you can share this with other people if you think it will open a door of thinking for them because the best way to open a thousand doors for you is to concentrate on opening doors for others. And it's those people who resonate and have the, these deep conversations with you 
that you'll find you can actually start to take them out of one culture and start a different culture. You can have the same people in the other room, the ones that are all complaining about what they do. But if you recruit them one by one to a new room, and in that room everyone does what makes them come alive and follows their interests, you can actually reprogram a culture that way sometimes instead of having to go and hunt for, for new people in your life. So that's, that's worth thinking about too. We'll be back again tomorrow. Enjoy your day. And uh, yeah, keep it up. Thanks for listening.